1: Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center preserves and presents a human Buddha's Dhamma, initially recorded as the second book of the Pali Canon, the Sutta Pitaka. Our practice is informed from over 300 curated suttas restored by John to their original intent and practical focus. Our practice is empty of imagined insight, magical thinking, mystical grasping after, and unfounded speculation. Our teachers and students remain focused on these suttas to develop a direct mindful experience of establishing a well-concentrated, supple, and conflict-free mind through the Eightfold Path. It is the Eightfold Path that Siddhartha Gautama taught over the last 45 years of his life with the sole purpose of abandoning self-inflicted stress and suffering through ending ignorance of Four Noble Truths. BBC RMC Sangha Class Guidelines. Moksha means towards liberation. Mm-hmm. These guidelines support a well informed and well focused Sangha and establish the most effective environment for Dhamma practice, always focused on liberation from ignorance. Becoming Buddha crossover meditation center is a true refuge from the chaos in the world and ideological contradictions and foundation, foundational confusion prevalent in modern. Buddhism by common agreement. Practice is framed by the Eightfold Path, which establishes a skillful balance of jhana meditation, sutta study, sangha participation, and daily individual dhamma practice. When gathered for dhamma class, we refer only to the Buddha's dhamma as restored by John and presented by our teachers. When gathered as a sangha, we accept responsibility for maintaining the gentle integrity of our sangha. When gathered as a Sangha, we are free of grasping after magical, mystical, and speculative concepts and fabricated experiences. When gathered as a Sangha, we practice wise restraint. questions or confusion about verbiage or arising from comparisons to other modern Buddhist practices, modern Buddhist teachers, or what they are teaching are not part of the Dhamma class or Sangha discussion and should be addressed directly to our teachers outside the Dhamma class. Individual class suttas are linked in our newsletter for home study prior to class. But, that, oh, it's been a while since we did
2: that. <clears throat> Chapter 18, <clears throat> the Malavaga, Stenis. This is John's introduction. In the Malavaga, the Buddha teaches the importance of wholehearted engagement with his Dhamma. The Buddha taught the Dhamma, Dhamma to develop awakening, full human maturity in this present life. Once the true nature of stress and suffering is understood, the underlying condition of ignorance is overcome by true wisdom. So this chapter is a collection of sayings about the stains on our practice, the the imperfections, those behaviors and mind states that lie at the root of those, that make our practice less than skillful, those that are not helpful, They're leftovers from the time when we were still ignorant in the sense of not having been exposed to Siddhartha's teachings. These stains are our own contributions to the suffering that we have not yet fully recognized
3: and
2: therefore we have not yet fully abandoned them. Siddhartha's practice for awakening is about mindfulness to recognize these stains so we can gently abandon them. No whips, no chains. No blunt insurance, gently abandoned. <clears throat> Age like a withered leaf, death awaits. You are near your departure, yet you are unprepared for your journey. Right off the bat, he tells us that there's some urgency here. You don't have all the time in the world. This is the time to focus on your practice and make sure you're getting it right. You know, I'm a bit older <coughs> than most of you here. Um, and that, that's, yeah, it's, it's getting to be a, a real push that right? you don't have <coughs> in the world. And um, I'm taking this seriously. It used to be a real intellectual pursuit. Uh, But since coming here and listening to John... it's clear that I'm trying to save my life. here. So yes, uh, <clears throat> this should be done with effort and, and right intent and gentle. The Buddha's words. Be an island unto yourself, so says the wise sage. Engage in right effort and become wise. Be rid of all impurities and become stainless. Enter the abode of the awakened Be an island unto yourself. I was reading the... (coughs) The last of the suttas in, in the um, the last month of his life. Parabana And that's constant every Every little teaching that he gives there starts with this, be an island unto yourself. There's no salvation here. Nobody's going to come from the outside to save you. You are the actor here. You're the one that's going to have to put the effort in here. Engage in right effort and become wise. The Buddha's words. Life is fleeting and you are now at the end. Death rules the ignorant. There is no rest along the way yet. There is no rest along the way. Yet you are unprepared for your journey. There was always that, that urge to finish something else in your life. Get, let me just, you know, get this squared away and then I can and then I can start practicing. Hmm. Um, there's always going to be something else that needs to be squared away. And this is the time. While you are still a mess, you know, start cleaning up the mess. You can't wait until the mess is done because it doesn't work that way. Be an island unto yourself, so says the wise sage. Engage in right effort and become wise. Be rid of all impurities and become stainless. End the pain of birth and constant decay. Stop sticking those second arrows into yourself and observe how things are impermanent. Everything is changing. Whatever arises comes to an end. Moment by moment, one by one, a little at a time, the disciple removes impurities as the skilled smith removed the dross from silver. So these are not great, brilliant flashes of insight. These are just. Observing yourself, being mindful about your behavior, about your mind state. So you can you can find those things that are not in accordance with the Eightfold Path. Be mindful. Recognize that mm, this didn't quite go the way it should have gone, or this is not helpful. This is not helpful for myself. This is not helpful for those around me. And then abandonment. Rust devours its own base, just as misdeeds devour the minds of fools. if you let it go, if you let it continue, it will undermine your practice, it will undermine your life. It has been undermining you for a long time. And what you thought was... solid this this is this this permanence in life if you don't act with care you will find out how impermanent it is Neglect destroys the home. Sloppiness destroys personal appearance. Mindlessness destroys the guard. Non-repetition destroys the dharma. So what we do here, coming together, reading the suttas, explaining the suttas is an essential part of your practice. It's through repetition that this guidance from Siddhartha takes hold. I've seen it many times. You know, I've read, I've reread sutras, I've re- and re- and re-read suttas. And every time some other nugget, some other little, little thing pops up, and we think, ah, that's what he's dealing with. That's what I'm dealing with here now. Um, so yeah, the repetition is in the beginning it it, it looks boring but it's essential, you can't, you can't do without that. Um, so as, as much as you can attend the Sangha, <clears throat> as much as you can spend time a couple of times a week, a little bit at a time every night, just open, open one of the books. And there's always something there. And sometimes uh, a certain subject will, will, will intrigue you and you can dive in there and read it again and again and listen to past classes um, because we all have our, as teachers, we all have our, our way of approaching certain subjects. Non-repetition destroys the Dhamma. Unchastity stains men and women, miserliness stains the giver. Stains are indeed always an evil thing. Again here, it's, it's both behavior and in mind states that will, will stain, will, will um, make your practice less than effective. A worse stain than these is the stain of ignorance. Destroy this one stain and become stainless. So this is the this is actually the the defining um, saying of, of this chapter the stain of ignorance the stain of not only not knowing the Dhamma, the four double truths, but forgetting. Every time we come back to this is Dukkha, this is the arising of Dukkha, this is the cessation of Dukkha, and this is the path leading to the cessation of Dukkha. That's the basic ignorance. If you forget these, if you lose your focus, That's the stain of ignorance. Easy it is for fools, impudent as crows, backbiting, unrestrained, arrogant, and corrupt. Difficult it is for the truly humble, the truly humble one who seeks the stainless. To be free of entanglements, unassuming, pure, and wise. Yeah, to let your uh, less than skillful efforts just let them go. that's that's the easy that's the easy way out. Um, To truly. Practice requires effort, concentration, mindfulness. Yeah, there is difficulty in that, but there's a payback. Seek the stains, seek out those those stains, those less than skillful things in your practice. And abandon them. Fools take lives, utter lies, steal, take one another spouse, and are addicted to drink and drugs. They dig themselves up by the root here and now. this, friends. Evil is difficult to control. Do not let greed and wickedness bring you ongoing misery. Here you see, like, that all these sayings come out of his teachings, they were just, and this is where he he raises his finger and he raises his voice and you know and, and tells the people in front of him you know, pay attention to this we're not playing games here this is your life this is your awakening that's at stake <laughs> people respond to worldly events based on their mindfulness Those upset by others' fortune cannot develop concentration. Jealousy is is a really deep human state. To be upset by others' fortune. it's really destructive. I see it quite often. Because it's, living that way is a really poor life. Here's somebody That is, it's, it's fortune. Something happens that it's it's to their fortune, and your reaction is ill will, basically. And it's it's a form of it's a really nasty form of identification. Why am I not getting this? You know. As you get deeper into your Dharma practice, you realize there is no need to, to have any ill will there because as your concentration and your mindfulness deepens. You get to see how rich life is. There's no reason to be jealous of anybody else. It's rich. You may be in pain. You may not have a couple of nickels that are up together, but life is still rich. There's a lot going on. And this is a it speaks to a basic discontent about life. I'm not getting enough. I should be getting everything. This is mine. The Buddhist words Those whose discontent has been destroyed completely will develop concentration. My beginning in on the path, any path, was basically about my discontent about life. I was deeply unhappy about what I thought life was. Mm-hmm. See people around me having uh, family, career, Intellectual pursuits and all that. And I have a deep discontent about that whole idea. And this practice is all about recognizing this discontent. In the Nagara Sutta says, uh, he says, when will people understand the stress of suffering? And he's talking about discontent here. This practice will destroy, This discontent. And as you release and and end this discontent, you're more able to develop concentration. This destruction of discontent, when that leads, your concentration can finally culminate. And as your concentration arises, you'll see your discontent. So these are two sides of a circle. Nothing burns hotter than lust, nothing grips harder than hatred, nothing entangles. Oh nothing entangles like delusion nothing continues ignorance like craving So these are the basic um, basic things. Lust, aversion, and delusion. Others' faults are obvious. One's own are difficult to see. The fool ignores their own faults and can only see the faults of others. Always seeking others faults, the fool's defilements grow. They are far from cessation. One of the major um, things that sidetrack you from finding your own stains in this case, is being distracted by others. Oh, why did I do it this way? How can you do that that way? And meanwhile, you're, you're disregarding what's going on in you which is the one thing that you need to be focused on. There is no, um, you can take others faults as an indication, as a, a wake up. I see this happening. Is this happening in myself as well? It's useful for that, but you can drop that first part quickly and just focus on yourself. There is no hidden path or other understanding. Fools delight in the things of the world. Disciples are free of worldly entanglement. Hmm. here's another thing that will sidetrack looking for looking for the secrets because the world is full of people that are peddling secrets they have been forever and they will forever and the Buddha is telling you here there is no hidden path He's always said, I've given you everything that you need for your awakening. I'm not a teacher with a closed fist. There is no hidden path. But these secrets are the things of the world. And going after them is a worldly entanglement. Disciples are free of worldly entanglements. Again, there is no hidden path or other understanding. All fabrications are impermanent. Awakened minds are stable. That's a good thought, and thank you.
4: Thank you. Bob.
2: All right, let's see what's going out on in, in the world. Mary, how are you doing this morning? <coughs> <coughs>
5: oh. Sorry, uh, doing well. Um, you know, the Dhamma meets you where you are and so I got a couple of very good nuggets from this, you know, reminders of things, maybe that I already know foundationally uh, because of my time with the Dhamma. Um, You know, I did experience worldly entanglements this week and um, I know I have to strengthen my practice and I was able to come back to the practice, but um, you know, some things run deep and and um so you know we often say we're unlearning um all our conditioned mind, right? But yes. we're learning and replacing it with the beautiful things from the Dhamma. So um very grateful to be here. Um appreciate your teaching, Ram. Really meant a lot to me today. And uh, it's good to see so many people show up. Uh, yeah, class. So thank you. Yeah, thanks,
2: nice, Mary. Yeah. and here too, the, the the repetition, you know, comes in.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Maura, good to see you again.
6: I, uh, good to see everybody, too. Um, I can't see the folks at the center. I was trying to get down there, but didn't quite make it. So I joined you on Zoom. Um, I, I was listening to some of the past talks on this series, too, and very, very moved, grateful, inspired by um, all that's here. And um, from, you know, excellent... Uh, really uh beautifully paced presentation very meditative and contemplative in its exposition and i i would say for myself also very effective in terms of allowing a lot of contemplation just during the listening uh you know, four foundations of mindfulness, even just like, what's arising, what's what's here, abandoning, cultivating. So yeah, that's a a, like, this is a big teaching, and I have nothing wise to say on it, other than um, it's so spot on. And as you pointed out numerous times, and I'm sure everybody else will say, it is not an easy path. It is, um, a, a, you know, it requires diligence just constantly. And I can just say, like, I see, like it's just truth all over it. You know, an unrestrained mind, and these things follow, like an, just like a shadow follows the cart. they just do, and... um and there's a lot of, uh, I, I think, you know, we just have to be gentle, kind, and diligent. And it's all right here. And I love that ending. There is no hidden path. It's all right here. Um. So, yeah, I have nothing wise to say except for the fact that I feel very human. And I feel very grateful to have a very clear Dhamma in front of me. And uh, I woke up this morning with just a lot of, uh, you know, kind of strong feeling about you know, the three refuges, and um, they are the only, right? they are the only. So thanks for being here.
0: Thank you.
6: Thank you, wise more <laughs> I'm not wise. <laughs> <laughs> but I aspire to be in the company, and I am in the company of aspirants. Thank
2: you. Thank you
6: for joining. Brian.
7: Morning, Ram. Thank you for the teaching. Um, the, the thing that jumps out at me is the, the island reference, right? And that, that is a, a consistent theme throughout the Buddhist teaching and, and especially in the Dhammapada. And that, that island and that solitude is cultivated through our development of what's skillful in the abandonment of what is unskillful and abandoning those things that create harm for ourselves or others. And that, that Island then is attainable once we, we work through those, those factors. Right. And it's, it's, it, it also is a, a lens on the greater and the lesser pleasures and abandoning those lesser pleasures towards the, the solitude and the greater pleasures. So thank you.
2: Can I ask you a big favor?
7: Sure, you can ask.
2: <laughs> Could you maybe find a different picture to put on your uh, on your web um, when you're when you're not in uh, in video? It's kind of scary.
7: <laughs> oh, the blur?
2: <laughs> no, not that. It's uh,
7: oh the uh, the headshot. Yeah, I'll the headshot.
2: For you. Oh my God! You know, do I have a deal for you?
7: You don't like that? You don't like that guy? Come on,
2: man! Uh, man. <laughs>
7: That's pre-COVID, Brian. We don't know him anymore.
2: Uh huh.
8: <laughs> I'll COVID. see what I can do. <laughs> All
2: right. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dom.
8: Morning, Ram. Um, yeah, don't worry, Brian. I'll, I'll buy whatever you're selling. Um, <laughs> um i'm
7: i'm not cheap just fyi
8: <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i i got a lot from this sutta i read it before class um but i got i got even more from from your teaching so thank you um for um just you know i, I guess things that really really hit home were the the urgency of this practice um so uh, i you know i really it it it's just a it's just a reminder it's a reminder to wake up it's like come on do this uh-huh. yeah gentle <laughs> to yourself right like i i de- there's definitely um the balance there you can't beat yourself up when you do get distracted uh, just like mary i've had a few worldly entanglements this this week um but it, but overall, it's just so encouraging. Um, and then that analogy about rust, mm. I found really interesting as well because um, <clears throat> you buy a new car, and that rust can appear without even noticing that it's there, and it grows and grows. And if you're not properly taking care of your car, it will get yep. rust, and then at some point, that will that will really impact. Um, how well that car runs so uh, or any other device so so i really i thanks to your explanation i got even more out of that metaphor than i would have done um i just had a qu- very quick question um so something that's it's quite a basic question really but but it's something that's not entirely clear to me how was the Dharmapada put together do you know like was it because the other the other sort of it's different in different in style to the other suitors that we study, right where it's clearly it's quite repetitive and it's clearly the right. transcription of a a discourse or a talk yeah. this is so poetic and just so i mean every line is absolutely brilliant i'm yeah. just curious if you it, know it, to, to my
2: to my uh view uh it's, it is a collection because in, in the suttas, in, in his teachings, he would from time to time fall into verse, which is, um, and that's just what people did at the time. It's, it's a way of emphasis in a way, you know, he just takes uh, a, a point that he's been uh, elaborating. And he puts it in verse, and he really he shines a light on it. Um, so the Dhammapada is is a collection of these moments in his teachings, and right. they're 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 grouped in, in chapters or by by subject. Um, I have a feeling that they were basically, um, you know, cliff notes for for the bhikkhus. When they went out to to get their bowl of food, they were supposed to give a small teaching. And these things could serve as a small teaching. Somebody hands you a bowl of rice, you give them a small saying, something that then the giver can, um, can contemplate, you know. Or maybe even there was a question, you know, when when, when the, the food was given and this could be an answer on, on the, uh, something that somebody was struggling with. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, every bhikkhu or maybe there was just, it, it, maybe it came out of a certain strain of uh, um, certain regional, strain, certain teacher maybe put this together. Um, but it it feels early, it feels definitely part of the of the sutipitaka. um So and you can, yeah, this is what we can use this for ourselves, you know, I mean, little, little things to stick to on, on the fridge. Can I put my two cents in? Yeah, uh, John wants to add to this. So, most of the
0: um, renditions or versions of the Dhammapada, Dhammapada that's out there um, are in, in verse, but they're written as typically one long poem. And I think the reason why they did that um, was to. Hinduize the Buddha's teaching and relate to—I can't think of the, the great epic Hindu poem,
2: the Mahabharata. Yeah,
0: to, it was meant to um, kind of as a uh, an answer to that. Hmm. Um, and so when I started restoring it, those are really the. There's very few Dhammapada books that are broken down by chapter. Most of them have verse. Sometimes will break it down into individual verses but you would like for instance in this sutta, this might be line 1447 hmm. and then 1448 and that's how it's referenced by line number but as i was reading the dhammapada and then looking at it in the context of dependent origination and four noble truths it became rather obvious that this is the, the proper presentation in chapter form step by step And if you look at it as we do it here, it's building up, isn't it? You Mm -hmm. know, from the the very beginning, it almost builds in intensity. Uh, I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now. These these last um, seven or eight chapters, nine chapters, you can hear the Buddha's um, strong emphasis on this is the way we do it. And if you don't do it this way, this is going to happen. And this is almost... Um, some of the cautions here are almost flaunting, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, you better get to it, or you're going to waste your life. That's lost in all the other ones because, it, you know, the rest of it is just this magical, mystical kind of milieu mm-hmm. that that you, you you can't make any sense out of, it, but you you think you should. It's because it's there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so these are very simple, direct teachings. Um, it, I I think it was probably um codified as a primer for novices but this the, my restoration in this presentation is um I think very very valuable and helpful for newcomers but as we see there's so much in here that it, that it, it's for any practitioner no matter where they are that, that path to the gentle path to awakening. Um, that, I think you'll all see it in, in the next seven chapters, uh, how that emphasis is even more important. And just to say that uh, Tom's gonna be teaching next Saturday, Donna teacher, Tom, and Brian, I believe you're teaching uh, chapter 22? 21. 21, yeah, and it's remarkable uh, that, All all of you teachers are now teaching because I was scheduled to have surgery right now. I I probably wouldn't be teaching, so I didn't have the surgery, so I'm just here for the ride. It's really wonderful to to hear the different voices of our teachers uh, and and how practically and skillfully they explain it. This was just a a remarkable presentation of the sutra. I might have more to say later, as I always do. Thank
2: you. (laughs) thank you tom <clears throat> um kevin senior
9: i guess i'm senior now I'm yeah a little closer to the departure
2: <laughs> uh-huh. oh yeah
9: yeah so and really that's what this is about really it's a uh, you know he starts out with that um and there's so many important lines in this that you could, I could just repeat them all or we could go over it again and again. But it's, and it is, non repetition destroys the Dhamma, I think is one of the most important. We um, have to have this repetition of our meditation and repetition of the study of the Dhamma, or we'll get lost again. So, um, you know, and I just want to, I don't want to belabor all that. But it's just, you know, I realize how fortunate I am and how fortunate we all are to have found the Dhamma ahead of this great departure that's coming. And um, we might be more prepared for it. And uh, it is very difficult. There is no hidden path. So if we stick to the path, uh, we can awaken. So thank you.
2: Thank you kevin jr
0: (laughs) hey rob Uh, thank you very much for this teaching I, i think i would agree with kevin that this is a very vivid metaphor there's a lot of really deep lines in here but you really did a great job with the rhythm and you know the calm that you showed in in this and you sort of uh effervesced out the little details there and, and all of it. Um, I agree with Tom, the sort of metaphors about the rust and mm. removing impurities from silver as the, as the silversmith does. Those are really stark for me uh, among the others, but um, really nice to be here with all of you. And thanks yeah. again for tying this back to what the real direction we're heading and, and the suit is getting us to understand the impact of our ignorance affordable Truth. You, you did that beautifully, so. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yes, and it also shows again how how, um, Siddhartha was, you know, was a man in the middle of of life. He was not, although he was called a recluse, he was he was a witness to to life. And his his view, his his eyes were just brilliant. Metaphors he comes up with are are, are just stunning. At times. Right,
0: right. He saw it all, all the detail and everything.
2: Saw it all. You know, he walked into every village, every town, and to get his bowl of food and to teach. Uh, and he had his eyes open, and he used all these metaphors so so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, Jeff.
3: Good morning, all Thanks. Thanks, Ron, for this. You did a, a great job on it. And I agree with what everyone said, especially uh, th- the metaphors in this seem like each line seems like a bell ringing. Each, mm-hmm. each one can stand independently. And uh, it, it, I've read this a lot this week, and every time I read it, I find one more line that seems to speak to me personally. Um. Yeah, pr- appreciate it all. Thanks. Thank you all for your comments. Thank you. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Is
0: Deborah
2: there? Is Deborah there? No, not this morning. All right. Well, give her our regards. So, Julia, less confused. <laughs>
4: Um, I'm not sure about that, but thank you for the teaching, um, It was really helpful to take it slow and mm-hmm. pace, so I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, I want to pick up on something that you shared, John. This is obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but my first with the Dhammapada, and, and having been here only for a few previous classes, not since session one, but this teaching really did feel to me... Somehow more cumulative. And I don't know if that's what's what to come, is sort of like if the first 19 were okay. building blocks, and now we're at the okay big picture zooming out, so to speak. But uh, that was just an impression that I got in my first time through the Dhammapada. And I thought that sharing it would be an interesting perspective for folks who um, have been through it more times. I'm mm-hmm. just seeing it clearly. Yeah.
2: Wait till the ending. <laughs> no,
0: it really does. It really <laughs> When you look at this subtle, almost increase in, in immediacy,
10: mm-hmm. you, know,
0: you can really feel it. And you're seeing it, even if you didn't come right from the beginning. But you've heard enough of it. You can see how it's building. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, I'll talk more about it when it's my turn. <laughs>
4: <Okay.
0: laughs> reserving my turn. Yeah, no, I know I um, had a lot of other things
4: that came up for me, but mm-hmm. that's good to share. So thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you you for the teaching, Ron. I'll echo a lot of other folks' comments. and very, very well done uh, and uh, digestible and thoughtful approach. (laughs) Um, For me, uh, I think I'm just recognizing in myself today um, as probably the best sit that I've had and the line, you know, plucking out by the roots, Mm -hmm. right? I think when I was suffering in in some past life or in this life, you know, I plucked things out by the root, right, and that's that's a total Mm do-over. And I think now I'm more skillfully applying some of the lessons learned here and, you know, elsewhere, but definitely a lot of lessons I've learned here to doing more of the rust maintenance,
6: (laughs) right as
3: opposed Uh to the plucking out by the roots and um i think that's shown just in in, you know right now i have a family member who's staying with us who there's a lot of tension but i'm just Mm. in the last few days just really um able to be present and enjoy the experience and that's yep just by being gentle with all things and realizing that there doesn't need to be any animosity or anything. It's right. not even a struggle really. It's mm-hmm. it's just enjoyable.
2: But so. family always brings out that stuff you had almost forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, but the stuff in yourself that you had almost forgotten. It, it's, uh, <laughs> I used to have a have a rule that I wouldn't visit my mom for more than 24 hours. <laughs> because you know it those reminders keep coming up and then i have to leave and and work on that and then i you know sometime later i could come back um so there too like the what you see in others is should be a reminder of what you find in yourself what you can recognize and abandon in yourself and at that point you can you can meet others with with a a clear understanding and it it does not lead to more strife it actually it, it's a help. It's a help to yourself to to be to be fully present with with somebody else, specifically with you know, either old friends or or uh, or family members. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy, but it is extremely helpful.
3: I think what's 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 nice is it, it's fairly effortless. Mm-hmm. Actually,
2: good. Yeah. Well, there's. There's the proof of the pun. You know? yeah. Once, um,
3: fairly,
2: yeah, 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 so, hang on. yeah. There'll be other instances, <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. Some toe will be stepped on at some point, yeah. Um, thank you, uh, Bridget. Thank you for this teaching. I think, uh, just the teaching in
10: itself is such a beautiful example oh my god i'm gonna cry here can't even say it <laughs> mm-hmm. of what uh how fortunate we are to have this sangha mm-hmm. in my life uh you know you uh, everybody's whether it's consciously or subconsciously you know you're seeking wisdom you're seeking guidance you're mm-hmm. seeking an explanation or an orientation or something and for us to have the opportunity to come here and be surrounded by so many teachers on different stages of the path and listen to share. Mm. After all that time of floating around and not finding any truth really that resonated with me, to so suddenly have this so accessible, to mm. come and be immersed in a teaching like this uh, just fills me like with so much gratitude. But aside from that, the teaching itself, um, you know, was. Uh, so rich, and there was so much in there. And I think what I drew from it that uh, I'll kind of be chewing on, you know, over the next uh, couple of days and weeks is that it's a process, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, as you, so many of you teachers are always encouraging us in terms of the gentleness of the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. And I think that. I'm coming to the realization that it's not just kindness that you're, as teachers, that you're showing us, that it's vital to remember to be gentle with yourself because it enables you to stop doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So when you see something coming up, instead of trying to take all these different positions to make that somehow be okay or Mm -hmm. you're not a bad person because of that you don't have to do something because of that that gentleness creates the space that allows you to just stop Mm -hmm. just take that little impurity or that stain to just wash it away Mm -hmm. to watch it float into the past to become impermanent Mm -hmm. and then in that next moment you can give birth to something that it's just so powerful and it really came through this teaching to me Mm
2: -hmm all of all of Siddhartha's teachings were you know, in, in that vein um, and and to have a collection of these sayings you know, when he's really um, you know when he's really putting it out there like look this is it you know yeah. um, and, and it's it's He's such a generous teacher. You know, he gives, he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it and, he gives it. and again, there, the repetition—it's like this complete generosity. You know. He didn't have to do this; he could have sat on his ass under a tree, and that was it. You know, would have been wonderful, but no, he he kept going. You know. Yeah, and in the uh, Mahaparinirvana Sutta. Uh, <clears throat> he says to uh, he says to Anand this this body is old now. He's in his eighties, and it's just, I'm like an old cart going down just going down the road, and it, I'm being held together with with string, you know, and a peg here and there, uh, <laughs> and still he 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 keeps going. Uh, so. Yeah, we are just. I, I. I'm just. I feel fortunate to have to have found this in in this form, because I've seen it in other forms where um, you don't you don't hear that that generosity, that that kindness, and that that's the the destructive part of you know when he says in the end there there is no hidden path. Um, there is a destructive aspect to that because it it really kills this 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 dharma when you turn it into something mystical. Uh, it is utterly practical, and it is for you. It is for you to awaken, and. Um, and he didn't have to do that, you know. It was just out of out of a, an overflowing of, of compassion that you know, and he says it often, you know, out of compassion to you. Um, you know, especially when he's wagging his fingers, says, I'm doing this out of compassion for you so that you can awaken. I think we get that from you, from all of the teachers
10: here. You don't have to. Do this, you know? Can you do? It no. It's kind, and it's generous. So.
2: Yeah, and it's, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's almost like a payback. You know? Yes, you know, somebody gave this to me. Ah, if now that I understand more, uh, I can give some back. Give that wrong guys Nice to see you all. Good to see you all, I guess.
9: Yeah.
0: So, uh, I, I again, got it wrong. It's just. Outstanding, really outstanding, nuanced teaching. Uh, and the, uh, Buddha also would say, out of compassion, he also used the word sympathy, out of sympathy
2: mm-hmm.
4: for
0: others. I go forth and teach, and the more, I mean, I. You know, I stored that and uncovered it many years ago but every time I hear a reference to it or I say it myself, that almost brings me to tears because this man could have done anything. He could have, he could have sat on his ass in his father's kingdom and had what most people think of a great life but he was full of discontent and that's why he left and once he finally awakened and cleared that conflict in his mind, uh, that discontent in his mind, he said, getting up off my ass and it is out of sympathy for others and that sympathy that he had for for all humanity is what has preserved his teachings all this time Mm. it was there for me to see it you know somebody put the soup the talker together they filled it up with a lot of nonsense but in it was the essence of what this incredible man taught and All of that, he boiled it down to the simple one path. And he said, follow this path, no other. And you will end your discontent. You'll learn to frame your life within that framework of the Eightfold Path. You'll understand when you're out of the path because you have this framework established in your mind. You'll know when you've engaged in wrong speech, wrong action, or wrong life. And you'll immediately be able to self-correct. This is the greatest teaching this might be one of my books. This is the greatest teaching on self-help that's mm. ever been presented, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you saw my, well, half of my library of self-help books that are gone yeah, yeah. now. And none of them had any answers for me. Yeah. And I read them voraciously since I was a teenager. They're
2: totally all confusing. Answers. Yeah, all gave a little nugget here and there. And then they build this grand scheme on top of that. And here is somebody who really truly have yeah. the yeah. whole vision of life and boiled it down to if you want to get here these are this is the path yeah one of the Eight qualifications home. are that you can actually teach others mm-hmm. you know it doesn't take
0: i not go that far it does it doesn't take anything special to teach the dhamma you just have to practice it and integrate it mm-hmm. and then you can teach it once you reach a certain level we've seen it here um, the other thing I just want to say as a practical matter, uh, this, this book, the Dhammapada will finally be published, I think, before we go on retreat, finally. Mm. Uh, and I think I'm going to put it in hardcover form, uh, but, and also the heartwood of the Dhamma, our retreat book is out now in Kindle form, and I hope to have that paperback published soon, as soon as I can get the cover approved. Mm. Uh, but it, it's something I always... I always say, but I say it often. Bridget talked about how the gentleness, the gentle approach is key to the Dhamma. I would say it's key to life, too. Mm-hmm. If you're going to learn the Dhamma, you have to be gentle with yourself. or, or you're, You'll kick yourself off the path because you don't want to change your mind. It's too hard. And now we realize one of the easiest things and the only thing we can ever change in the world is the way we think about ourselves in relation to that world, and that's that's awakening, that's gaining full human maturity. And it's I'm
2: still, uh,
0: I, I guess I could say astonished that these teachings are still here, <laughs> but they are. We we make uh, we make good use of them in this room and through our Zoom meetings, etc. we did again just the.
1: Wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Ron. I'm going to take notes on this today.
3: Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Maybe
4: it's Harper. That little dog. I saw that dog. Well, little. Yeah, (laughs) it's Harper.
0: Love (laughs) me a little. Bring him to class.
2: I'm good. Great class. Thank (laughs) you, Ron. All right. Let's... take a moment to gather your mindfulness, Karaniya Meta Suta. <clears throat> This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm, and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, small, the seen and the unseen, Those living near and far away, those to be born, those born and to be born. They are always mindful not to deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child. So, with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandons all ignorance of forerable truth. Thank you. Thank you, Ram.
7: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> I'll go find a new pick for you, Ron.
2: <laughs> ah, thank you.